Hello and welcome to the Good Robot Andes, Season 7, Episode 11. My name is Andy Balaam and this is... Andy Cockerell. And tonight, the thing that we're going to talk about is... The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse. And based on no information or not having seen the film, knowing nothing but the title, I think that The Lighthouse is a animation from Finland. And that is it is. <laughs> yeah. And it's uh it's like painted, it's like watercolour watercolour animation. That's oh. what I think. And what happens in this um Finnish There's a child, animation? there's mi- there's mist, there's a lot of fog, mist fog. Okay. Mist fog, yeah. child. Yeah. Sadness? Um there's a there's there's brightly coloured raincoats in the fog. Mm. And which are painted as just like one splash of colour. I kind of think that if this film doesn't exist, then it should. Yeah. But it's not the film we're talking about today. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I quite like I quite like the sound of the Finnish animation, The Lighthouse. Yeah. In fact, look, I mean, look up. up the um, look up the Finnish for lighthouse now. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a treat that so early on in the podcast we get to hear a man look something up on the internet. Look, on the internet, yes, indeed. <laughs> it's uh, Majaka. Murder. M- Majaka. Murder. And the plural is Majakat. <laughs> I'm sure that if we have any Finnish listeners, they'll be screaming at us, okay. at me, yep. right now. Yep. But there we go. Um, <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I know that we have quite a lot of Finnish film producers listening. Well, yeah, there's lots. So, yeah. Um, yeah, there's that one. You can have that one for free. I'd like to be credited in the credits. There you go. Um, based on an idea. So, inspired by an idea. Based on an idea, idea by Andy Balaam. Um, we have Magica. Wholly, wholly inspired by Andy Magica. Balaam. There's more than one. It's Magica. With little creative input from anyone else. We're just now just on separate monologues. Yeah. <laughs> Shall I, I give you the synopsis? <laughs> uh, yeah, have we got any, anything else to talk about before we go into it? Oh, yeah. Did you want to talk about um, Staged? Yeah, but why not I talk about that at the end? Isn't that how we normally do it? Yeah, okay. Let's talk about it at the end. Okay. What we've been watching. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, by the way, listener, we're still under lockdown. We're still under lockdown. Although, for how long? Who knows? And what it really means. Um, yeah, exactly. It seems to be open to interpretation. I was thinking Stay about alert. taking a trip to Barnard's Castle. Because <laughs> I think my um, spec savers are open, opening up again. Right, I've heard that's nice. And there's... There's a branch in, in Durham, and I thought, wow, I'd just drive up there and get my eyes tested. Yeah. What could possibly be wrong with that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah I mean, anyway, that's the drive itself would be a bit like a, an eye test. A, a test. That's a bit of satire for you. Yeah, that's already out um, of date. Even as we record yeah. this, everyone's <laughs> totally forgotten about that incident. I haven't forgotten it. <laughs> I'll never Andy forget thing. it. I'll never forget it. Okay. Um, so the lighthouse is a 2019... Oh, brand new! Wow, it's uh, under psychological, a year psychological horror film. Okay, okay, okay. Well, I like directed, it more than the, the Finnish watercolor. Uh, directed and produced by Robert Eggers, who is a returning director of this pod. What did he do? He directed the Vov- the Vovovich. <laughs> the Vovovich. <laughs> <So> we talked <laughs> about <clears throat> talked about like three, maybe four years ago. Yeah, now on this uh, I pod. think the Vovovich was about it was in a forest, and there was yes. a daughter. Who is suspected of being the Vivovich? Is that right? Yes. Uh, yes. Okay. Sounded But it also featured and it, and it featured a much too pious for this community family who went to live on their own because they were just too extreme in uh, their okay, beliefs. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, and you're not really sure whether what's happening to them is actually happening to them mm-hmm. or as a, as a result of the fact that they've been eating spoiled food. Right, yeah, that's the thing about it. Yes, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. so is this film exactly the same as that? It's on the similar lines, yeah. Right. So, <laughs> okay, it doesn't sound like it. So, so Eggers, it is. Oh, so oh. Eggers co-wrote the screenplay mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with his brother Max. Uh, it's an international co-production of the United States and Canada. Mm-hmm. And the film was shot in black and white with a nearly square 1 to 19, 1.19 to 1 aspect ratio. So it's more square than old-fashioned telly, which is Why? a small rectangle. Well, it all does kind of make sense. Okay, all right. I'll just hold my tongue. Um, 
It stars Willem Dafoe, who's always good value. What's he out of? Oh, wow. <laughs> He's been in so much stuff, Willem Dafoe. Um, and yet, you can't think of any. <laughs> well, I can't think of any that you might have seen. <laughs> oh. Have you seen any of the films of Lars von Trier? Probably, I don't know. Have you seen Dogville? I'm sure he's in Dogville. Yeah, I think I have seen. No, no, Dogville is that one that I would never see. Right, it's stupid. Okay, so you haven't seen that one. Have you seen Antichrist? No. That's quite a full-on art house horror movie. Okay, okay. Sounds um, cool. Sorry, Will- Willem Dafoe. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Um, anyway, and Robert Pattinson. Him of... He probably is fed up with saying him of Twilight, but because that okay. was such a long time ago and he's done so much very interesting work since then. We've we've heard my story already about how I got about ten minutes into Twilight and couldn't stand it any longer. Yeah, I, I quite like Twilight. That's anyway, okay. I think um, I think that's the majority <laughs> view, isn't it? Yeah. Uh and they are as two lighthouse keepers who start to lose their sanity when a storm strands them on the remote island where they are stationed. Okay, so again, is this a, a, a second case of you don't know whether they're going mad or whether scary definitely. things are happening? Because that's pretty yeah, cool. Because so there was a big tradition of that in the past, and it's that's less fashionable these days. Yeah, I think it is less fashionable. I can certainly think of... Um, there's actually there's very few films these days. So Shutter mm. Island is one yeah, that yeah, springs that, to mind. Yeah, that to my mind as well. Um, but I can't really think of many others. Mm. Uh, but then it, that used they to just be, don't make them. Like almost all horror films used to be like that. So, like for example, A Nightmare yeah, on Elm Street, so, you could pretty yep. much just imagine that that was just a dream, or you know. Or we can go even further back to I think it's called The Beast with Five Fingers. I feel like you've talked about Peter, that before. Peter Laurie. Peter Laurie is in it. And it turns out it's him. He is the beast. His, his hand is the beast with five fingers. Okay, so okay, it's okay. Kind of, that kind of, that kind of mm-hmm. deal. Um, so it's set in the 19th century, so pre-electricity. Mm-hmm. So they have, to, they have to keep the light going with oil. Um, there's also a, a steam engine for... Making a uh, foghorn sound right. that, that happens very frequently. Right. It's very loud. Right, so the soundtrack. So it's got like a Inception-style yeah. soundtrack. but uh, Yeah, the soundtrack is really quite something, actually. Yeah, so it's a mixture of actual sound and, you know, quite a discordant soundtrack as well. Right, because in Inception, there's quite often a foghorn going, and it's not clear... What's bah, what's bah, making it? But in okay, in this film, it's a clear explanation. Bah, you're, yeah, just gonna, like you're just yeah. gonna, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just gonna keep going with that. Yeah, as a truck goes very very slowly backwards into some water. <laughs> I, love I love Inception. I love Inception. It's great. Isn't I want to watch it again. I love yeah. the the real special effects in the in the corridor that's rotating around. On I the know. DVD extras, they show you how they did that, and it's all just real. The VFX in it are just top-notch, aren't they? Yeah. They actually just they rotated really a big corridor on a crane. But that in itself is, you know... So cool. It's quite a feat, isn't it? Yeah, and that's why it looks so, so in, good. Christopher Dunnan's latest, which is called Tenet, mm-hmm. um, uh, they, they crash an actual 747 into a hangar. Wow. Yeah. How did they do that? I don't know. Because <laughs> wow. they're like, well, okay, but we want it to look good, you know, and we want yep. it to. So, <laughs> okay. Actual plane, meat hanger. <laughs> oh, cool. So I guess the thing with 747s is they've all been retired now, so there's right. a lot of them around. Yeah. So you can just. So it's not really much hassle. No, not really. Yeah. No, but it's still a big, a big plane. Yeah. I mean, that seems to like a hassle. Tossing around. Yeah. Right. They have it on a big elastic band too. Um, I mean, yeah, massive elastic band. Mm. I'm sure. I'm sure um, Elon Musk could, could provide you with something like that. Right. Incidentally, I heard um, <laughs> comedian Alice Fraser refer to Elon Musk as a baby's idea of what an adult is, <laughs> which I thought was very apt. Okay, <laughs> I thought it was very apt. <laughs> anyway. So, in the late 19th century, 
Ephraim Winslow, who's played by Robert Pattinson, um, serves a contract job as a wiki, uh, someone to keep the light going, uh, lighthouse, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. wiki, not as in wiki wiki. Back then, um, lighthouse keepers had more to do. A lot to do, yeah. So they had, they not only did they have to keep the light going, they also had to, if there's more than one of them, feed each other, um, keep the place clean, tidy. Uh, mm-hmm. The elements, you know, the wind and the salt are going to destroy everything. Mm-hmm. So they had to, you know, basically maintain everything all the time. Right, right, right. It's a never-ending task. Yeah. Um, so he's he's there for four weeks on an isolated island off the coast of New England. And it really is isolated. Mm-hmm. You cannot see the mainland. It's just stuck out in the middle of oh, the wow. ocean. Um, he's under the supervision of an irritable elderly man named Thomas Wake, <laughs> who is played by Willem Dafoe. Mm-hmm. And on the first day, Winslow notices a hole in his cot, finding a small scrimshaw of a mermaid within it. What's a scrimshaw? Um, uh, it's like a... Um, a uh, quite a quite crudely made effigy out mm-hmm. of wood, okay. I suppose. Okay. Um, uh, and he stuffs that in his jacket. He he then observes Wake going up to the lighthouse's lantern room at night and stripping naked. Uh, and after that, he Winslow begins experiencing visions and dreams of giant tentacles, like a kind of Cthulhu-type creature in the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Logs floating in the water and distant images of a mermaid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, bearing in mind we're talking about the late 19th century, um, and we're not talking about the little mermaid of the Disney movie, we're talking about mermaids that will grab you and pull you down to your mm-hmm. doom. They're quite sinister creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, so over the course of his stay, Wake demands Winslow take the more taxing jobs. So what, Wake doesn't really seem to be doing anything apart from cooking. Right going up to the light and, and standing in front off. of it naked mm-hmm. yeah and okay. in fact we see in a in a a cut to winslow no a cut to wake on his own we see him toasting the light and he says here's to you me beauty <laughs> okay so one thing one th- there's several things to note about this film so it it has a similar visual sensibility to the witch in terms of very long takes mm-hmm. uh, where the camera just holds on someone for what seems like far too long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it seems Especially quite Especially when they're naked. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, it also has, in common with The Witch, which had very uh, period uh, authentic dialogue. Mm-hmm. This has the same kind of thing. So these two guys who are you know the lighthouse keepers, but they talk. They speak to each other in very flowery <clears throat> dialogue. Okay, is um, it really real, or does, is is it just stylized? Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it is. It is stylized, but I think I was reading. Um, I was reading a roundup of of um, of westerns from sort of modern westerns that have been made and one of those was True Grit mm. the, to- the Coen Brothers yeah. version of True Grit yeah Boring. And what it pointed out is that you know the language in the movie is very is very it seems very heightened mm-hmm. but what the review points out is that in that time period everyone would have taught like that right mm-hmm. uh, because everybody had a kind of basic education of English um, so Rooster Cogburn played by Jeff Bridges, does talk in very long, quite complex sentences, as does Matt Damon, and, and as does um, even um, even like the bad guys speak in long, florid sentences. And it's the same kind of deal with The Lighthouse, mm-hmm. in that the characters talk to each other in, in quite heightened speech. Well, but, I'm still not convinced that that's how people really spoke, <clears throat> though. I mean... But it works. It works really well because the the speeches are really beautifully written. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's there's some when when Willem Dafoe is is doing speeches to Robert Pattinson's character, and he's kind of it's kind of Shakespearean, and it's I know you don't like Shakespeare much. But <laughs> That's actually what I was thinking of. I'm um, thinking, oh, it sounds a bit like Shakespeare. It's kind of Shakespearean in its in its rhythm and its mm-hmm, tone, mm-hmm. Uh, and it's quite something. Right. Really, to hear writing of that quality right. and actors actually, you know, delivering it really well. 
Um, so yeah, so Wake gives Winslow the really rotten jobs, like refueling the light. Mm-hmm. In fact, he watches him carry a kerosene container that's about the size of a milk, you know, an old-fashioned, um, what do they call the things, milk? No, the things with that they used to... That's it, a big old milk jug. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He pulls one of these things all the way up to the light. Mm-hmm. And when he's up there, Willem Dafoe, who is up inside the light, he comes down and he says, um, oh, why don't you just use this? It's, it's much lighter. And he gives him a small one, <laughs> which is the one he's actually supposed to have carried upstairs. And then he says to him, take that thing back down because it will light the whole thing on fire. <laughs> So it's basically, he basically bullies him, yeah. completely bullies him. So he does things like that. He makes him pull the coal up from the coal bunker mm-hmm. all the way up the slippery slope mm-hmm. to feed the furnace. So he has to feed the furnace to, to do the thing. He makes him swab the floors. In fact, at one point, he points at the floor and says, what's that? And he says, that wasn't here. A moment ago. He says, but I told you to swab the floor. And he says, I have swabbed the floor. No, you haven't. You haven't swabbed the floor, and he really like has a real go at him about it. And then, um, so Pattinson's character kind of loses his marbles with that a bit and mm-hmm. starts screaming. And he says, "You'll, you'll swab it twice now." And um, so eventually, they have a set to, and Pattinson says, "I'm not supposed to be doing all this stuff. You're supposed to be in the book. It says we're supposed to share the tasks, even though you're the the master of the lighthouse." Mm-hmm. And he just says, they're my rules. I don't care about the book. So just get on with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then something bad happens. So Pattinson has a an encounter with a seagull, mm-hmm. which he kind of threatens. Uh, and Willem Defoe's character is um, unhappy about this. He says, leave them alone. You know, they are... Um, uh, some say <laughs> they have the souls of dead seamen inside them. Mm-hmm. Leave them alone, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's there's the whole thing about the rhyme of the ancient mariner with killing a albatross and being cursed and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. But he does kill a bird quite brutally mm. uh, eventually, and then things start to go quite badly off the rails. So a massive storm comes in, the wind changes, and a storm from the north comes in, which is you know brutal. Mm-hmm. They're then stuck inside. They can't they can't leave. They can't go anywhere can't even go for a walk because it's so nasty. Mm-hmm. They run out of booze. So they turn to um, start drinking the fuel for the f- for the light. Oh, dear. Yeah. And that, of course, they're already quite alcohol-soaked at this point, and that just sends them off the deep end, <laughs> basically. Um, <clears throat> so Pattinson is convinced he can see mermaids. Right. Um, in fact, we see quite a close-up shot of a mermaid that he thinks he's found. It's all covered in weed. It's got gills. Mm-hmm. It's uh, But it's not attractive at all. Mm-hmm. It's like quite scary mm-hmm. and um, and threatening. Mm-hmm. And it kind of shrieks at him like a kind of demented dolphin kind of sound, which mm-hmm. is quite disturbing. Is it beached? Or... Yes. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Presumably beached in the storm. Um uh, so yes, things are going quite badly wrong. Yeah, don't drink the kerosene, then, kids. Don't drink the kerosene, kids. Yeah, it's bad for you. Yeah, in fact, don't drink at all. But especially not kerosene. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you must drink, you know, drink something approved mm. by the um, your place of origins, food safety board. So Pattinson, Pattinson's character desperately wants to get up to the light you know he's absolutely he just wants to know what's up there why Willem Dafoe keeps going up there and taking all his clothes off and, <laughs> and yeah. Willem Dafoe says no the light is mine you can't you can't come up to the light <laughs> yeah it's all quite it's all quite full bore you know it's fairly it's fairly full on stuff this <laughs> And he does say th- say things like "avast" and right, right, right. It's he, real. He, he forces Pattinson's character to call him Skipper and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. "ii" and you know, use nautical terminology. <laughs> cool. So yeah, they're drinking the kerosene. Sounds they're losing mad. their marbles. It is mad. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the storm is 
you know, causing the place to flood. At one point, it's so powerful it blows in one of the windows and the place is now flooded. <laughs> it's pretty horrendous. And, um, but it eventually lets up. Mm-hmm. And um, so Patterson goes up to the goes up to the lighthouse to get in there but then comes back because he has got the wrong keys and which and at which point he's attacked by Willem Dafoe mm-hmm. who attacks him with an axe and gets him in the shoulder okay um uh he survives this and then off screen we see him basically deal with Willem Dafoe in pretty brutal manner so there's only one of them left now <laughs> so That's he goes up okay, into that was just an he goes up into the light. Well, I'm going to come back to some other stuff that happens, but, you know, this okay. is kind of a, a synopsis. Mm-hmm, so. mm-hmm. He goes up into the lighthouse. He looks into the light. He starts screaming. Then he falls down to the bottom. And then the last shot we see of him is on the beach, still alive. So he's crawled down to the beach. Mm-hmm. He's still alive. And the seagulls are uh, pecking at him. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end. <clears throat> so it doesn't end with him naked in the light. No, okay, okay. no, not a ha- well. It's not a happy ending for anybody. Right, that would be a happy the, ending if he if he'd found the, out why Willem Dafoe likes standing there naked so much. Exactly. He started doing it himself. He's working on his tan. Yeah. Um, but along okay, so <laughs> it's a pretty grim. I mean, much like the witch that right. ends with pretty much everybody dying except for the girl. Mm-hmm. Um, much like that, it's a story of people going mad in the wilderness. Right, right, right. But a, but but like the witch, it's when they start drinking the kerosene that things start to get blurred mm, mm, about mm. what's real and what isn't real. Mm. <clears throat> and at one point, Willem Dafoe says, maybe I'm a figment of your imagination. <laughs> and <clears throat> as an audience member, you're then thinking, oh, maybe right. he is a <laughs> yeah. figment of his imagination. Right, and that puts a whole other perspective on the Maybe whole. he's never been there at all. Yeah. Um, uh, so, but along the way, there's some there's some pretty funny dialogue. So, so at one point, they they eat lobster for dinner. This right. is probably a meme these days, but this <laughs> this little bit I'm about to tell you. But, um, and uh, and then the next day, Pattinson's character has what what you would call a massive tantrum and says he hates everything about the place, hates him and he hates his cooking. And at this, Wake looks incredibly <laughs> affronted uh-huh. when he says he hates his cooking. He says, but you liked me lobster. You, you like me lobster. <laughs> and uh, he says, yeah, yeah, I like your lobster, but I hate everything else. I hate everything else you've cooked. It tastes like, sh- tastes like rubbish. Um, so there, are, there is some funny stuff. It's not all grim. There's also some actual uh, flatulence in the movie, which is... Uh, That's hilarious. Which is, which is quite amusing, mm. if you like that sort of thing. If you don't, then you won't. But um... <laughs> <laughs> well, you saved that, that bit of recommendation for the end. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um. So that is the lighthouse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, did and it was a bit good. Did you say you were going to tell us some other bits, or have you done those now? Oh yeah. So he, um, <clears throat> uh, at one point, when he's pulling up a lobster pot, he finds a severed head in oh. it, which he thinks might be Wake's previous lighthouse buddy. <laughs> right. Because when he asks him earlier in the film, he asks him what happened. To your previous man. <laughs> and he says, he went mad, he did. Thought he was searing mer people and that kind of thing. <laughs> but he never said what happened. He never said whether he left the island or right, anything right, like right, that. Right. So, but again, we don't know whether he actually saw that or not. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or whether he was in the, you know, tripping, tripping on paraffin. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's the question. Yes. Um, did did you learn anything about yourself by watching it? <laughs> Did I learn anything about myself? Um, I learnt that if you are on a 
Northern <laughs> Ireland. This is a no. <laughs> in the middle of no, not really no. I've never been. I've never been in a situation like that before. Uh, did you learn anything about um, the, the boundary between perception and reality? Yeah, definitely. It definitely plays with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think so. I was reading an an article all about memory um, a few weeks ago in New Scientist, and it was saying that memory is a slippery thing. Mm-hmm. It, it can be manipulated, mm-hmm. and in many ways, computer memory is a lot more reliable than human memory. Mm-hmm. Um, because the way we, rem- you know, we remember things and we, because we have, you know, most humans have emotion, not everybody does. <laughs> um, the half Vulcans don't have much emotion, but um, right. so yeah, we attribute emotion to a memory, mm. but the way our memories are stored, they can be, we can be uh, mistaken about things, yeah. even though we're absolutely sure of that so yeah. sometimes you will you will think that something in your memory you thought that it was blue mm-hmm. but actually it turns out to be red you thought it was on the left hand of the street when it turns out to be the right hand mm-hmm. side of the street um, you thought you were speaking to this person when actually you spoke to that person mm-hmm. they said something totally different to you mm-hmm. um, so memory is unreliable mm-hmm. so uh, I think that it this film plays with that as as the witch did as well but also this film plays with that idea that memory is an unreliable witness it's interesting because i've been thinking recently about the idea that i first read about in the in the doors of perception um that oh yeah that our brains are filters that like remove distractions like the, like the universe is actually much more interesting and complicated and our brain kind of just filters out the stuff that isn't relevant to our survival or whatever yes and that's why yes. when we take drugs we like get this view into the, what reality is really like um, yeah I mean um, so LSD people say it's mind expanding but it's not it actually shuts off some mm-hmm. things and amplifies other things yeah so it doesn't doesn't expand your mind; it actually closes it off to some things. But the yeah, the yeah. idea is that yeah. that then expands your perception because your brain isn't able to do such a good job of filtering out That's the real right. reality. But the thing is that a film yeah. like this is kind of taking the opposite view and saying actually there is this, there is a concrete reality, and when you get detached from that, bad things happen. <laughs> oh, absolutely! Mm-hmm. And these two mm-hmm. guys do become absolutely detached from reality. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, a, a really good example of literal cabin fever. So mm. You've got nowhere to go. You're locked up with someone you hate. You don't want. He, I mean, it appears that he doesn't really want to be there either. He's there because he needs the money for four weeks. Uh, but at one point, Willem Dafoe's character says, "How long have we been on this island? Mm-hmm. Is it a week? Is it a day? Is it a month? I just can't remember." So quite a few so of the films lost all track of time. Right. Quite a few of the films you've talked about recently. The, uh, there's a question in my mind has kind of been: Why did anyone want to tell this story? Do you see what I mean? Like, mm. um, it's just some people in the lighthouse who went mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is that. I mean, it's quite an extreme. It's quite an extreme movie. I guess I guess like respect. often with a horror film the point is it's scary. So if you're stuck completely isolated in this yeah. dangerous situation going mad. I mean, what that Robert is scary. Eggers so said that's probably a good what, enough reason. What he said of it was is that it's two men stuck inside a giant phallus together. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Or is it one um, man? What is it one or man? Or is it one man? Yeah, indeed. So I'm going to read some critical response here. Mm-hmm. So it holds a rating of 90% on Rotten Tomatoes mm-hmm. with a consensus reading. So it's a gripping story, brilliantly filmed and led by a pair of powerhouse performances. Mm-hmm. The Lighthouse further establishes Robert Eggers as a filmmaker of exceptional talent. So let's talk about, you said, why would someone want to film something in, 
in a format that's almost yes, square. Yes, please tell me about that. So from the very beginning, uh, he uses that format to frame the lighthouse. Okay. Uh, but he also uses it to hem you in. Right, so it feels very constrained. Right. It feels very constrained and very claustrophobic. Because the thing about that is, if you go to see that in a cinema, you're basically getting less weird. for your money. Well, you are, you are if you watch it at home as well. If you watch it on yeah. a widescreen TV, it's only using part of the screen. Yeah, but yeah, but it's going to feel pretty. Yeah, it it is, but it, it's going to. I feel like that feels like a starker thing. You've paid your money to go to the cinema, and you're getting like half the screen's worth of film. Yep. The rest of it's just blank. That's just weird. I mean, obviously, it? I would that's advise just... you, listener, if you go and see it, don't look at that bit. Have a look at the bit that's got the, <laughs> the film on it. So. In the words of Nigel Tufnell, well, that's just nitpicking, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I guess it would make you feel a bit hemmed in. It does. <clears throat> Especially yeah, if you were sat over to the right-hand side so you couldn't really see. You couldn't see it. it. It's very cleverly framed in that it makes you feel claustrophobic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and hemmed in. Mm-hmm. And I think if it was shot in, you know... Si- um, sixteen nine or, or even wider, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have the same effect. Right. Okay. Um, but it 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 is it also uh, sort of echoes much older style of filmmaking in that the camera holds on someone for quite a long time when mm-hmm. they're say looking off screen or something, mm-hmm. or when they're giving a very long speech. It doesn't cut mm. to the other person mm. listening or watching them. Mm-hmm. It stays on that person, mm-hmm. uh, which is very reminiscent of much older films from like the 30s and 40s, the kind of stuff that was filmed in that way then. Mm. Um, and it works really well. You know, it's very effective in that respect. And the only the only thing that gives it away that it's not a film from that period is the visual effects, which are pretty amazing. Right. Yeah. So the, the depiction of the storm is is terrifying like these massive waves crashing mm. on the on right. the island that's cool i'm trying to think what you what does it do when you have very long shots so obviously children of men most amazing film mm. what it does there yeah. is it just makes you feel like it's really happening it's as simple as that yeah. it's just i think gr- gravity has a similar right, 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 similar right. kind of thing going on there as well have you seen uh, gravity uh yes yeah like that. yeah yeah it does feel so like it's a happening. similar thing going on the, the bit where, where the arm is swinging yeah. around is amazing. Silent, it, you, yeah, yeah, it really feels like it's happening. Um, yeah, and then if you look at something like the player, which has a very long opening Robert, shot. Yeah, but Altman is known for his mm. long, uh, long shots with with a long lens, so he'll shoot mm. mm-hmm. yeah. from, a, from right. a long distance away. Right, yeah. Right. So then in that, in that, I think the long shots there make you feel like. You're sort of stuck a bit, so I can see how that would work in the lighthouse. Like it's like you're, yeah. It, especially if there's no, what do they call it when you look back at the other person? So reaction uh, shots, a reaction shot, or a, or a, sometimes a two shot, which is where two people right. are in frame, then, or an over the shoulder. Yeah, there's never, right. there's, there's not a single over the shoulder shot. So it's like peep movie. show. Like it makes you feel like you're actually in in the person's head. Yeah, and that that's what maybe clues you into the fact that maybe he's there on his own. So is it always only in, from his point of view? No, you see them in the same shot together, but you never see him over the shoulder. So you never right. see him talking to him in that way. Okay, that is quite which weird. is clever. It's clever yeah. use of framing and okay. and um, mise en scene, mm-hmm. as they say. Do they? As they say in France. Right. Oh, they say that in a France. A certain I don't know what. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Right. So it won an award at Cannes Film Festival last year. Mm-hmm. The Fipressi Prize for a Director's Fortnight and Critics Week. Right. So right. Robert Eggers won Best Director. Mm-hmm. Um, also won at the in- Independent Spirit Awards. So Willem Dafoe won Best Supporting Male. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also at the same awards, Best Cinematography for Yarin Blaschk. So, yeah, I think yeah. it sounds good. Like, mm. I think if it's scary, I'm probably going to like it. It sounds like it's probably as scary. 
It's not hugely scary, okay. but it is really unsettling. Right, that counts. Yeah. it's It doesn't have... So for me, it didn't have the visceral energy of The Witch. Okay, okay. Which is a very odd watch, The Witch. So do you think I would prefer The Witch? I'm just wondering if I was going to watch one. I think you'd like them both. Mm. I think The Witch is probably more accessible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it would definitely prime you for what Robert Eggers is trying to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, The Witch is your gateway drug right. to uh, to the lighthouse, the basically. The Eggers, universe. The Eggers you, yeah. The Eggers see you. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I did should I try and watch about, The Witch. The last time we would do this, did I talk about listening to Mark Como talking about The Exorcist? No, I don't think so. Okay, so he's, he did a he has a podcast called Como on Film, mm-hmm. in which... Uh, he sometimes um, presents that with another film critic called Jack Howard. Mm-hmm. And they spoke, because Jack Howard had never seen The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. So uh, he then sat down and watched it, and then they talked about it at, at great length mm-hmm. afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, what Jack Howard was saying was that you know The Exorcist came out in 1973. Right. And what he was struck by was how modern... It is in mm. its filmmaking, mm, mm. in that it has crash zooms and it has sudden jump cuts from one location to another. Mm-hmm. It has moments of silence that are then punctuated by incredible noise. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it has camera work that is, uh, you know, reminiscent of stuff that's being made now. Yeah. And yet it was made in 1973, so yeah. three years before Jaws was released. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet it feels incredibly, it still feels incredibly modern mm. in the way that it's made. I thought that was really interesting that someone who'd never seen it before, they didn't feel like it had been made in 1973. It, they felt like it, it feels thoroughly modern. I feel, like, I feel like some of those like techniques are there, but they feel clumsily done. Do you think so? Yeah, like not in a necessarily in a bad way but like raw like the sound Mm. you notice the soundtrack more than you okay maybe yeah yeah i'd be really interested to listen to that conversation no it's 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 an interesting one and actually what jack howard takes away from it is um a sense of hopelessness Mm -hmm. okay uh, he feels that Karras is, particularly Karras's arc, is hopeless. Right. Um, and Mark Cohen has to kind of say, well, no, it's not, because he actually ends up saving Raven's life. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but he does die in the process, spoiler. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he felt kind of, you know, after all that Karras has been through in the film, mm. he just ends up falling down some stairs and dying. Yeah, I mean, it Spoiler. doesn't feel it, it. doesn't feel like a victory, does it? No, it doesn't feel like no. a lot of people die to save people in films. Yes, and it doesn't feel like that. You know, like no, those it, other films, it doesn't no. feel like Independence Day. No, not at all. No, I mean <laughs> when Randy Quaid saves everyone. When Randy Quaid's, you know, you know, suicide bombs the alien ship, you feel a sense of wow, he's done it. Yeah, victory. but in The Exorcist. You don't feel that. No, you don't. Um, but also, they they talked about the scene at the very end of the film when uh, when Reagan looks at Father Dyer, and she see, you see a bit of recognition on her face. Mm-hmm. But of course, what they're pointing out is that she never met Karras. Right, 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 right. As as Reagan. Yeah. Um, which is quite sad, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's a really interesting conversation. I guess part of the reason why it feels so bad is because it is. It's basically a failure. Like he's found, he's found a way around the fact that they've failed in what they were trying yes. to do. Yeah. So no wonder it's pretty downbeat. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely downbeat. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, what a film though. Mm. I really want to watch it again. Yeah, that makes I have me a double want to watch it again. a double bill of The Exorcist and Inception. <laughs> 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 but 
yeah, etc. Yeah. yeah, I like Inception. So there we go, folks. That is um, the. Uh, no, I was going to say the witch. The it. lighthouse. <laughs> that is some film that we were talking about quite some time ago. Quite some time ago, yeah. The lighthouse. All right. So, what have you been watching recently? Uh, the lighthouse. Watched that last mm-hmm, night. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we've been watching season seven of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh, I love Brooklyn Nine Nine. That's been shown on uh, E Four, so I've been enjoying that. It's yeah. very good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've been watching. We started watching Normal People. I saw that was on something like iPlayer. I haven't watched it. So, was it iPlayer? I heard it is. Yeah, it's on BBC. Yeah, I heard people raving about normal people. Just saying, this is amazing. I thought it was fine. Right. I thought it was fine. Sometimes that's good enough. The thing with it is, is that it features a relationship between. A man and a woman in Ireland, not a man, a, a, a schoolgirl and a schoolboy in Ireland, and it features quite raunchy sex scenes between them. Mm-hmm. So what people have been saying is that that's kind of unheard of mm-hmm. on Irish TV, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can see why that's an important moment. Mm-hmm. But in terms of what it's doing, I'm not. I don't think it's all that, all that good. Mm-hmm. Sadly. Okay. okay. But that's me. So uh, what else have we been watching? Uh, a show on Prime called Little Fires Everywhere. Okay. Which sadly jumped the shark after, like, episode three. <laughs> oh, dear, that's early. <laughs> yeah, it is early, yes. Yeah, far too early, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, that's a pity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, great pity, because it's got a really good cast. It's um, Reese Witherspoon, Kerry Washington... Joshua Jackson, you know, it's got a solid cast. It's got a, it's got an interesting. It's based on a novel, but the execution of it is just kind of clumsy and a bit. Yeah. I'm I'm sure that it'll find an audience, but I, yeah, not doing much for me. We've been watching a few things. We've been watching Staged, which is oh, a yeah. a lockdown comedy with David Tennant and Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen. Who him him and him out of um, Good Omens? I haven't seen that yet. Is it right. good? My okay. family really liked it. Did you not like it so much? I find David Tennant really hard to watch. Do you? Yeah, but actually, he, in stage, he's quite affected, isn't he? Yeah. I, I, I mean, he's slightly spoiled Treefoot Tom for me. <laughs> is he in truth? He is. is he, in that? he is Treefoot Tom. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, I mean, that's not, not a good show, to be fair. No. No. No, yeah, you're right. It's not just... Uh, uh, anyway, <laughs> so the fact that I really liked Staged a lot, um, which is very much against my prejudice against David Tennant, <laughs> is okay. pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, it, it's, um, it's them in lockdown and they're rehearsing for a play and they, they irritate each other and they're... Their wives are really wise and they're really stupid and all that. Just like real life then, really. And uh, it's good. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's really funny. It's it's densely packed with jokes. It really reminds me of The Trip, except there's much less... Um, um, I've forgotten the word. <laughs> so Improvisation. When, when you think of words on the fly. Improvisation. Uh, <laughs> there's yeah. much less... Um, <laughs> much less oh, of that... that um, thing? Well, oh, remembering <laughs> things, yeah. Oh, yeah, remembering things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's less improvisation, which I guess would be very difficult to do remotely, because um, they're actually doing it while in lockdown. Um, right. It's got a few cameos from famous people, which are fine. Other famous people? Yes, uh, like super famous people. Oh, really? What? Not David Tennant and... Samuel L. Jackson. Wow. And uh, her out of um, James Bond. Her out of James Bond. Which M one? out of James Judy Bond. Judy Dench. Judy Dench, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she used to be M. I wish she was still M. Yeah. She's um, not that good. Samuel Jackson's actually really good. Yeah, he's a legend. Yeah. Samuel L. Mellon Farming Jackson. <laughs> yeah, he does quite a bit of that. <laughs> uh, so that's surprisingly funny. And as I said, really densely packed with jokes. And some of them are really funny. Okay, I should look forward to that. Other things. And it's quite short, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's Each only some, maybe short. six or eight episodes, and we ended up watching the whole thing in one evening. Nice. Um, oh, and nice. Probably, probably 9 9, obviously. <laughs> yeah, no, um, yeah. Uh, we've been watching 
Scrubs, an old uh, program. Oh, yeah, that's an old that's show. That's on all Is four that from the, the 2000s, Scrubs? Something like that, yeah. yeah. So it's about some doctors, some young doctors. Oh, the noughties. Did people still call it the noughties? I don't know. But yeah, it's Did funny. Did they ever call it that? It reminds me of Brooklyn Nine-Nine because it was a kind of politically correct for the time show that's right, also really right. f- fun and um, uh, each episode there's basically like a theme like a thing he learns about life like they don't okay. overplay that but each episode is like I guess I learned this you know and different like they learn about trust or whatever you know like they don't that, but that makes it sound really awful it's not it's, it's really funny and light hearted okay it's slightly no, dated I've, I've heard Scrubs is good I've heard it's good the, um, Zach Braff. They basically decided that they were going to kind of lampoon racism in their show, but they were like totally fine with sexism. Oh, of course. And well-defined yeah. gender roles and things, which is <laughs> yes. slightly disappointing for such a PC show from one point of view. Um, but it, it, it it's funny and, and likeable. And we've also been watching um, Strike. Strike? Which is a, a um, private eye Mo- uh, relatively modern private eye drama. Okay, I, I do like a PI drama. Um, yeah. Written by Robert Galbraith, who is, of course, the pen name of J.K. Rowling. Ah, okay. Um, uh, so uh, she's so hot right now for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> yeah, she's she's getting some heat at the moment. Put it that way. But, yeah, a, um, a fair bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I. So I I went into it thinking it's it's not going to be that great. And actually, I, I'm really enjoying it. I'm just going to look this up. TV series. It's about this bloke called Strike, who used to be in the military police and got his leg blown off, or part of his leg blown off, and now he's a private okay. eye. Ooh. And uh, so he's the usual grumpy, drunken um, detective. And she's the usual kind of like innocent who can save his soul type thing. You know, there's nothing knew about it but um he's very likable she's very likable the way they interact is very good so um, where are you watching this iPlayer BBC oh it's on iPlayer yeah oh nice okay. it's called Strike as in striking a match right yeah I'm just looking it up this man looks something up on the internet yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't say it was that uh intellectual it's got uh yeah it's got got a good cast but yeah, we've been enjoying it. And only only a few episodes. Mm. Yeah, something like yeah. nine of them, something. Yeah. Um, we okay, also, so it's been out for a while. Yeah, I think they've just put it back years. on iPlayer because, um, because of lockdown, I think. Well, apparently the BBC are going to run, run out of content soon. Right. <laughs> um, we also, so I think I they also should watched... start repeating Monty Python. Oh, yeah. And Yes Minister. I'm really hoping for them to bring back Yes Minister. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, I also watched that one of the Hunger Games films. Which one? The third one. We've been. My kids have made me watch the. the mm. So that's br- uh, catching. No, hang on. Oh, what are they called? Mockingjay so Part One. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah, I'm not convinced by the two-part finale. Right, right, right. I really. My favourite is one. the middle one. Right. I, my favourite is the middle one. Which yeah, is I, Catching Fire. I, I've really enjoyed all of them. Mm. Surprise. No, I was they're, really all, they're all very good. I mean, they're all solid entertainment. I was really very, how much I like them. Very thought-provoking. Uh, yeah, well, what's I think interesting that, yeah. about them is that they have no second layer. You know, there's only, there's only what's going on on the screen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's quite, yeah. quite refreshing and, and also very, potentially dissatisfying, but... It's a very direct way of storytelling that works. Yes, that yeah. either works for you or it doesn't. I mean, they did very well. Presumably, it's a young adult thing. In the movies. Right, it is, but I think they're very watchable. So I think what's going on screen is relatively thought-provoking, but there's nothing but else there's going nothing on. There's nothing beyond that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. that's kind of nice. Sometimes it's nice to watch something where you don't have to be on the lookout for how it's tricking you, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm going to have to check out Strike. It's fun. Yeah, no, it looks like fun. Yeah. Hmm. 
That might be the that might be this week's pod. I've, yeah, I've been watching a load of things. <laughs> yeah. I've also been playing a lot of Trials Rising. <laughs> you always play a lot of Trials Rising. Oh, I've been playing so a lot much. of um, Animal Crossing: New Horizons. Oh, is that nice? It's so Relaxing. good, but I'm feeling I need to play something else on my uh, Switch. <laughs> as it's basically been that's the only thing I've played since I installed it. Oh well, yeah. I've only I've played I paid seven pounds for Trials Rising, and I've had I don't know how many hours of gameplay out of that. You've got a good value out of that. Yeah, yeah I've definitely. unlocked all of the gold. All I've unlocked. I've what I've, I've got the gold medal on all of the extreme tracks, except wow. except the really hard one, which <laughs> I can't finish. Right. But I'm working on it. But presumably you have tried until like four in the morning oh, to finish man. it. My fingers, my thumbs, agony, I can barely move. RSI. <laughs> it gets so bad that you can't hold something properly because you, yeah. your tendons are completely shot. Because, this, because the Nintendo Switch, a wonderful console that it is, the Pro Controller yeah. doesn't have um, analogue trigger buttons. So the button is either pressed or not pressed. There's no proportional right. input. Mm. Uh, and the throttle of the bike is on there. Uh, so it's either on or off, basically. So that's fine for the easy levels, but when you get to the harder ones, it's just you need not some fine. control, then, don't you? So what they've done yeah. is they've let you use the the joystick instead. So now I'm using the, the my right thumb on the joystick to use the throttle, ah. and so now my right thumb is joining my left thumb in the <laughs> in the symphony of agony. <laughs> symphony of agony. That's a good name for a song. <laughs> symphony of agony. Whoa. Yeah. 13.5 seconds long. <laughs> no, that's too long. Oh. There's a song by Electro Hippies called Mega Armageddon Death, which is like uh, a few, less than a second. Yeah, was it, was it Napalm Death? He had a song that was one second or? Yeah. Just goes, yeah. like that. Yeah. You better make funny. sure you start at the same time. As <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah. No, it's very good. Is that it? I think. I think that <laughs> we've exhausted that, everything. To that talk silence. About. Then that was longer than that. That Napalm Death song. Yeah, indeed. Cool. Thank you very much. Thank you. See you next time. Goodbye.